Right. Right. And I wasn't laughing at you while you were saying that your 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 member, your your community who's in our chat right now is making me laugh a ton. Um, basically, they're, they're, they're saying that they're they're hysterical. They sat through five hours of golf with you and they got to pick out the wardrobe. They were someone yelled yeah, yeah. as the ball was passing through. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that that is why I'm laughing hysterically. Yeah. It's not exact. It's not what you're saying. It's your your community's cracking me up. The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. While many of the people here have some form of mental health training, they are not your mental health professional. This podcast is not a replacement for mental or physical care or for the diagnosis of any mental health illness or condition. So, hello, and thank you for joining us again for the Guardians Mental Health Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joe. With me tonight, as always, is Matt. Hello, hello. And Nate. Hello. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, Guardians Mental Health is a 501c3 nonprofit focused on promoting mental health awareness throughout the gaming community. We strive to be a first step assisting individuals with gathering meaningful resources in a safe and inclusive atmosphere. Our podcast is another way to normalize talking about mental health and is a fusion of mental health topics and gaming. Please welcome our guest tonight, Dr. Mick. How you doing? What's up? I'm doing fabulous. It's wonderful to join you, gentlemen. It is amazing to have you on with us. Uh, I fanboyed out uh, before we started recording and everything and <laughs> went live. So I got that out of my system. But uh, we really can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule and coming on and chatting with us tonight. I'm really excited to have you on. And uh, it's such an honor. I'm more than happy to do it. I was uh, I was excited when you guys reached out to me to ask me to do this, and I actually can't believe that it's finally here. But it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. I like I love what you guys do with Guardians Mental Health, and uh, there's lots of cool initiatives that you guys do in collabs. And so it's an honor for me to join you as well. So it's a mutual honor. How lovely! <laughs> I love all this honor. Right. I love this ah, honor so and positivity. Honor here. Yes. That is how we start a yes. podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. I love it. I love it. So uh, for the people that might not know who you are, that might be tuning in for the first time, uh, Dr. Mick, could you tell everybody a little bit of who you are and what you do? I can. So I, I wear many hats. Uh, I will. I guess I'll start with my offline so people have some idea of kind of what I do when I'm not streaming. Uh, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist in the states of Illinois and Nevada. I currently live in Las Vegas. Uh, I am co-owner with my wife of Starline Therapy, uh, which is based out of Las Vegas and Chicago. Uh, so I see clients on a regular basis. I see anywhere from 15 to 20 clients a week. Um, and I'm a AMFT approved supervisor. And I am a former, uh, no longer, I'm a former assistant professor, assistant clinical professor of psychology at Northwestern University. I left that position in 2019. Uh, so I'm in private practice full time now. I own and operate our practice. And then on Twitch, 
Uh, I am known as Dr. McLive. I started my channel about two and a half years ago. Uh, it'll actually be exactly two and a half years next week. Uh, I started two and a half years ago. Uh, and it's uh, what I usually say is it's a channel where we play cool games, talk about mental health, psychology, therapy, and more in an effort to destigmatize those things and bring information to people who wouldn't otherwise have it in a responsible and ethical way. I do not do therapy on my stream, but I do answer questions related to mental health. And people tag me in chat all the time. They'll ask me questions and I answer them to the best of my ability, but I stay very strictly within my code of ethics and that precludes me from doing therapy online. So I actually started the channel because I, I noticed that um, there were a lot of streamers at the time in 2018 when I started it that were tweeting, I'm not your therapist. And it made me realize that people who were watching streamers on Twitch were talking about their mental health to people who have no way of talking about mental health in any kind of sophisticated way. And I was like, hey, I'm a therapist and I play games. So why don't I combine those two things and try and do something with it? And uh, luckily, I got to the front page of Reddit so telling people I did that uh, shortly after I started streaming. And then that's kind of it's grown from there. So that's kind of the background on who I am and what I do both on and off Twitch. That is amazing. Oh, my gosh. You are incredibly accomplished and so much that uh, can't thank you enough for what you do every day uh, in your personal, you know, professional life and what you do on Twitch. Uh, you hit hit a, a nerve, you know, or not a nerve, but uh, a heartstring right there when you were talking about a, at one point several years ago, there was a lot of people tweeting about, I'm not your therapist and don't bring that in. And we actually saw and still see a large influx into our uh, partner Discord server where. Mm -hmm. We have a ever-growing uh, peer support network there that's overseen by you know trained you know staff members and mods and everybody. But mm -hmm. a lot of influx came in from individuals saying and sharing that they were just kicked out of one of their favorite streamers' uh, channels and banned because they started opening up. And we see the same thing that it's a very needed needed thing to uh, create that safe space for individuals and what you do with answering questions. Like I told you before, I, I lurk quite often in your channel and I absolutely love what you do and the topics you talk about and how you guide individuals with answering questions and guiding them to kind of uh, dig a little bit deeper on their own and, you know, seek uh, uh, professional help or wherever they might be getting those resources from. And I absolutely even more went fanboy out when I saw you playing Destiny. So there it is right there. Uh, we're all <laughs> Destiny fans. We actually came from the Destiny community. Uh, a lot of us, uh, we actually used to play all together, and a lot of us still do. Uh, if you've seen my wall in my office, it's I, majority yeah. Destiny. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I I'm very proud That's a Destiny fodder back there. I love it. Yeah, yeah. There's even more. There's That's only one wall. There's three more that you can't see. That's I got a, I got a little bit of Destiny fodder, too. It's just hidden by my chair. I see, ah. the, I see the ghost. I see the ghost. <laughs> I got the ghost. I got the drifter duck. I got, yeah, we got, we got Destiny nice. stuff over here too. I used to wear Destiny t-shirts every stream. So, you know, I, 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 I love it. Destiny is, it's, I think I'm, I want to say like 70% of all my streams have been Destiny or something like that. So it's, uh, it's the main fodder for my stream as well. So it's really cool to hear that you guys are so um, we... deeply intertwined with, with destiny and that community because it's a great community 
it really is. It really is. And we're very thankful for all the support and uh, what we can you know, do for the community as well. But uh, that's fantastic. Um, now, you did share how you got into streaming and everything. When you first started and you braved Reddit, which my head's <laughs> off to you because that that can be a tricky, tricky, yeah. you know, road to go down right there. But uh, Reddit's you, a rabbit hole, man. It, it's a rabbit it hole. <laughs> it, it is. Um, when you first started, I know you touched on it earlier. Did you when you first started streaming gaming, did you always have that intention of blending you know, mental health topics you did always. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I, um, so I I had a, uh, I had a bit of an existential crisis summer of 2018. Um, Mm -hmm. I had what I thought was my dream job. I had worked, I'd worked my ass off for years. I went to college for nine years, did everything I needed to do to be able to be a faculty member at a graduate program. Uh, I had accomplished everything I had sought to accomplish. And then I felt like something was missing. I had, it was just a whole thing. I, something was missing. I didn't feel like I had the impact that I wanted to have. Didn't feel like I was reaching the people I wanted to reach. And, uh, when I saw, it was a combination of seeing those tweets. Um, I mean, one that stands out to me, was Dr. Lupo put out a tweet like that, that, that was the one that I remembered. It's always in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had this breakdown one night and I said to my wife, I was like, you know, I really want to have a bigger impact. Like, I want to reach people who don't get this information. Because one of the things that kind of drove me crazy as I got farther up the ladder in academia was realizing how far away I got from people who really need to access the information that I have in my head. Like, I learned all this stuff. It's stuff that applies to everyone. And yet I'm talking at people at a level that's not reaching the people who really need it. And everything's behind paywalls. I mean, you guys know this. Everything's behind paywalls. Yeah. Everything's super inaccessible. You don't know what information's good or what's not. And so I, it was a combination of that existential crisis and then seeing those tweets. And I was like, what if I streamed? And I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I never watched Twitch ever before I started streaming. Really? I had, ne- I, I had no idea. I literally thought all you had to do was create an account on Twitch and then hit go live and you would just be streaming. I had no idea what went into it. <laughs> And, and that's so, essentially true. Yeah, it was like I didn't <laughs> know about yes, I didn't know about any of this stuff. So I said to my wife, like, I wanted, I want to buy a PC, or I want to build one, and then I want to, I want to try streaming this stuff. And she was like, Well, then go do it. And so I literally <laughs> September of 2018, I fired up for the first time, and I always had the intention of integrating my role as a therapist and my knowledge of. Uh, like mental health and mental illness and stuff. I always had that as the intentional thing that was woven into it. I actually mistakenly thought back in 2018 that that was enough for people to be interested. I thought if I just went live and said, I'm a therapist, people would care about the stream. And I got smacked upside the head with reality very quickly, as every streamer does when they go live for the first time. And uh, so the Reddit thing actually came in. I randomly on a Friday... I couldn't go live. I was having internet issues. I said, screw it. I'm going to go on Reddit. I'm going to tell people I'm doing this. And it went to the front page. And so I just so happened to put my Twitch link uh, at the bottom of the post. And then I hit go live about halfway through the AMA after it blew up. And I went from 16 followers to 920 some in one day. And there are still people who watch me who met me that day because of the Reddit AMA. 
uh, which is mind blowing to me. But that that day literally is what made the stream. I and I've streamed to at least twenty people ever since that day. Um, it's since grown more than that. But like Reddit literally is what launched my channel. I was pretty demoralized by the time I got to the Reddit channel because I was like, why aren't people watching? Me? And now when I look back on those streams, I know exactly why people weren't watching me. But like it was a whole learning process for me. So I have Reddit. I braved Reddit. I I gave it a shot randomly on a Friday morning at eleven a.m. Central Time, and boom. Front page. It was like right, I caught right place, right time. Yeah, man. It was it was nuts. It was nuts. So Absolutely I'm very thankful it. for Reddit in that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's <laughs> one of the few, one of the rare success stories I've heard from Reddit. Right. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Wow. I mean, that's just amazing. Now, with going off that, I think we should dive right into our topic with talking about you know, ethics in live streaming. Matt, do you want to carry us into that? Yeah, sorry. I was very into chat really quick. So I apologize about that. Um, <laughs> I just I just destroyed a lot of notifications and potentially a lot of ears. So I apologize. No, a lot of what we wanted to talk about was, like you mentioned, uh, I think at first a lot of streamers might really believe like, okay, get on Twitch, go. Have a good time, go nuts, get a following. And it almost makes it like it's easy. But as I think everybody knows, it's definitely not one of those things. So I think like one of the biggest things to potentially like, you know, talk about or just start a discussion, like what are some streamer do's and don'ts? How does that relate into sort of taking care of like a streamer's sort of mental health, not being defined by a sub or a view count or how many views, like things like that. Like what's your take on stuff like that? So are you talking like in general, like if you're just anybody who just wants to stream, like whether they're wanting to talk about mental health or not, I just want to make sure. Yeah. I'm your question Apologize. Right. Yeah. More of a, more of a general, I guess, before we jump into like talking about. Yeah. Stuff yeah. Like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I <laughs> do your research. Okay. Like I, mm. I went, I mean, really that I think it's important to have a very realistic set of expectations when you first start. And I think what happens is I'm just going to tell you all what happened to me because I think this yeah. is common for everybody is when you, when you turn on Twitch, you turn on the front page, <clears throat> you see a bunch of people that have a lot of viewers. And, and so when you're like me and you didn't do your research on Twitch and you think streaming is just something anybody can do, you log on to that and you go, wow, look at this. People are playing video games and they have thousands of people watching. Them. That's pretty awesome. And what you don't see, unless you go looking for it, are the bottom of the game pages where there are hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of people with like zero to two viewers playing that same game. And so... Mm-hmm. I didn't do that. So what I think is important for people to do is look at the people that you want to be like and look at what they're doing, but also then go to wherever they are and then look at the people on the bottom of the page and be ready for that and be ready for the fact that like you probably aren't going to have anybody watching you when you first start because it's really everybody wants to get into streaming. Streaming blew up, especially after the pandemic, like everybody wants to do it. So There's a couple of things. So realistic expectations of what it's going to be like when you start. Talk as if you are streaming in front of however many people you hope to be in front of. 
uh, which means talking to yourself and really practicing that. So when people do come into your chat, you don't do what I do, which was the first time I actually had somebody come into my chat and say something to me. It took me three minutes and 16 seconds to respond to them because I wasn't looking at chat. <laughs> and I can't believe they stayed long enough in order for me to do that. But be ready for that. Have your friends watch you and interact with you while you do it. Practice. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's a big one. The other thing I think is really important is for people to know why they're doing what they're doing so that you connect with what you're doing. Because I really think I would, the best advice I was given when I went through my doctoral program was know why you're here. Because if you don't know why you're here and you don't adhere to why you're here, you're, this is going to eat you up and you're not going to make it. And I very much see that as being the same mentality that a person needs to take into streaming when they first start, which is you need to know why you're doing it. I knew I wanted to connect. I wanted to have good mental health discussions while playing games. I wanted to connect with people who wouldn't have that information, but would be able to interface with me in a way that was more comfortable for them. And I wanted, and in my mind, if I helped one person feel more comfortable finding a therapist because they talked to me on Twitch, I did my job. And so that was what kept me going on those nights when nobody was watching me. And I'm sitting there screwing with my overlays and stuff going, why doesn't anybody care about this? When I tweet, when I tweet at Ninja, why doesn't he respond to me? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> where like, you just, you think that that's something that's going to happen, right? Like, right. And so it, it was, it was a real smack in the face. So I really think people having a realistic idea of what you're getting into, know why you're doing it, and then be prepared to talk to people about what it's like to do it, because it can be demoralizing if you don't have people around you that can either keep you going and reinforce the why you're doing this. And like, it, just know that it, it's going to take work. Uh, but also, if you show up in other people's chats and you start to get your name out there and you talk to streamers that you admire, you start to build a relationship with them. They may start asking, hey, do you stream too? Or they may be open to you talking about what you do. And then that's kind of how you, you know, raid into the people you admire, things like that. Uh, because I know yeah. I appreciate raids no matter how big or small. So yeah. that's a good way to get noticed as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I think you're right. I think the one thing that I always say to anybody, not necessarily just streamers, but even like clients of my own, is that setting achievable and realistic goals. Yeah. Right. Because if you automatically start to think like, okay, by Friday, I'm going to have 400 subscribers. No, you, it's not Good realistic. Luck. Yeah. Good luck. Absolutely. You know, promote the hell out of yourself, grind, but that's not necessarily like the realistic of goals to have, have one, two, three, maybe. Right. Because, you know, not that I'm a streamer by any stretch of the imagination, but just being within this community and talking with everybody, it's very difficult. And while it can be um, almost, I guess, in a sense, like it, it hurtful, but at, at the same token, set yourself up for success. I you know? would agree with that. I also think that, Something for people to understand, I, no, I think really no matter how big or small you are, is that mm. Twitch has a way of directing people toward quantitative goals. But I don't think the quantitative goals are the things that actually matter much in terms of mm. like your retention, not just of viewers, but of yourself in streaming. Like I, I very much prefer the qualitative metrics, metrics which is right. what's the quality of my community like? Are the people that are in my chat, people that contribute to the vibe that I want to have? Like, I'm super quick to ban. You come in and you act like an yeah. idiot and I don't know who you are, you're out. Like, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't need you. And I think too many people early on will break past their boundaries on those things because they think that the quantitative metric of, well, if I have three people in here instead of two, that's better. So I'm going to keep this person around. 
No, you are much better cutting that out because then the other two people that are in your chat are going to say, hey, this person takes this environment seriously and they might tell people about you. So I think it's really, really important to focus on qualitative metrics, not even just for your stream, but also just for yourself, like checking with yourself. If it's distressing you to go live every night, you may want to rethink how often you're going live and what you're doing. Not because I don't believe in what a person's doing, but because streaming is not worth destroying your mental health over. And there's a lot of people that do that who burn out immensely because they're looking at all these metrics that are really hard to achieve, uh, especially if they don't have realistic goals for themselves. Yeah. And really does, it becomes like an internalization of if I don't get X amount of views, I'm not good. I'm not, I'm not a good streamer. And we, I, I could almost imagine how a lot of people could just internalize that into themselves. And like you mentioned, destroy their mental health because they didn't reach, you know, 10 followers today. Well, yeah, even people destroying their physical health because they, you know, they see their their favorite streamer and they're running 12, 16, 18 hour streams and they're like, well, I can do that. No, you can't. Oh, no. And no, you yeah. shouldn't. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I get asked all the time when I'm going to do a 24 hour stream. And my answer to that is never like I, it, it, it is just it's not worth it to me to do I, the people that no. can do it. Godspeed. Uh, but you got to you have to make build streaming into your life don't build your life right. around streaming unless right. it is your livelihood if you can pay your bills using your stream cool like whatever that's your livelihood at that point but like if it's not you have to be realistic about the chunk it takes out of your life you know i was just reading an article before we we went live about it was an interview with um the creator of scott the the guy who directed scott pilgrim um help me out who 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 directed scott pilgrim I know Brian O'Malley created the comic books, but the director of of the movie um, was kind of talking because they're looking to re-release it for the 30th anniversary. And I swear this ties in. Um, He, it didn't do well at launch. I think it was like fifth overall. Didn't make the money that it, that they put in, that they put into it back. And he got an email from uh, like a partner of his. And the email just said years, not days. Basically saying like days does not define you. It's how long it, it's, 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 it's a time matter. It's a matter yeah. of time. And now like Scott Pilgrim's one of my favorite movies and comics and, and it's become, uh, you can put it in the realm of cold classic, but just that, that statement of years, not days. I, I like that a lot. It, it puts, it puts things into perspective a little bit. And that goes to what we were saying in regards to like streamers. It's not, you know, don't judge yourself on a day by day basis. Right. Right. If the content's yeah. good and your disciplinary skills are good, at some point you will probably find some momentum. Um, and I also, I, that makes me, you saying that made me think of this of like, also you should watch your own content. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, too many people just sort of like put it out there and then go, okay, whatever. Like I watch my bods all the time, right? Like that's how, you know, I'm sure like watching Scott Pilgrim, right? Like you watch that, if you've created that and you go back and you watch that, and you're like, this is good. Like, I know this is good. People are going to enjoy this. This this feels right. This was edited correctly. This this covers the storyline the way we need it to. Other people are likely to think that as well, uh, especially if you start getting opinions from other people that are within your circle. So watch your stuff, right? Like, you'll know whether it's good or not if you want to watch your own stuff too. And it makes some of that long-term stuff easier to, to take in because it's like, okay, I know this is good. I know I'm on the right track. 
it's just got to get in front of eyeballs. People just have to mm -hmm. get to a point where they yeah. tell people about it. And that's, I will say that's the thing about streaming is once you get enough eyeballs, I mean, it takes off as soon as you get the right amount of people. Mm -hmm. The start of it is the worst part. Right, right. And I like how you put it, like, you know, look at the channels that you sort of like idolize or the ones that you like or want to be and have a community like, because it does set a little bit of like a, a groundwork as to what you want to be as you sort of build up. And like you said, get rid of negativity, get rid of trolls, get rid of everybody super quick because nobody, well, one, nobody needs that. And two, <laughs> they're not welcome in a positive community. So I'll put um, a little, just so we're really quick, I'm going to put a little mental health yeah. spin on this too, because I know Absolutely. that part of, part of your question was like, kind of how do you attend to the mental health of a person who's streaming? I, something yeah. that I don't, I've never really seen this talked about. And I think is super important is, you know, you're looking at a chat when you're a streamer. So it's very easy to project into chat because of the fact that you're not seeing a real person. For those of you who are listening, who don't know how projection works because it gets misrepresented all the time. Projection is basically, mm -hmm. I think a certain way about myself. Thus, I assume the people around me also think that. So I interact with them as if they do. Mm -hmm. So if you think you suck at streaming or if you think you're whatever, and chat comes in, if you start interacting with chat as if they believe what you believe about yourself, you're in trouble. So it's very important for you to go into streaming and say like, and, and, and build what, like be what you would want to watch and what you want to see and allow chat to see you that way. Because uh, I think if you keep crappy chat around as well, it sometimes has a way of wearing on that, where if you think you're not doing a good job, then you have people that are in here that are like, your overlays are ugly or this or whatever, right? Like it can sort of like be really easy to start going into that and then further project it onto people that come into your, into your stream and into your chat. And that gets into a really awful spiral. So I think it's really important for streamers to be ready for that as well, because if you watch your VODs back and you look depressed, while you're streaming or you look angry or you don't look approachable, you're not approachable, <laughs> right? right? Like if you don't want to, if you're put off by yourself, other people are going to be put off by you. So be ready for that. Um, it's okay to have, to be realistic. It's okay to struggle, but you got to remember you are putting on a show when you're streaming and uh, if you need to take right. nights off, that's okay. So yeah. I just want to, yeah. I wanted to kind of include that because I, I, I always want to talk about that and I never have the space to talk about that. And this was the yeah. spot to do that. There we Perfect go. Perfect moment too. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? That's that's very true for for streamers. I think just uh, and I'm going to use this and Joe's going to hate me, but just like average Joe's as well, um, <laughs> when they're when they're in. Yeah, he wants to hit me. Um, <laughs> that or my. Um, but just in general, too. Right. If we can if we keep that projection onto other people, it hurts relationships. It hurt and just actually just continues to hurt ourselves as well, too. So it's good, obviously, yes, for streamers to do that with their chat, but just as a general rule of thumb, like kind of look up, work on that. You know, if you see it, if you're mindful of it, that like you're already thinking like, oh, my, you know, my friend my hates me. I'm a burden. Um, yeah. You know, if we're starting to think things like that, you know, be mindful and take a step back really quick and be like, well, you know, they, they, they came over to say hi. I can't be that bad. <laughs> right. If people take the time to watch you, there are yeah. hundreds of thousands of other options. If people take the right. time to come watch you, that is that is deserving of appreciation and acknowledgement. They chose you. They yeah, chose you exactly to watch. Right. 
even if they yeah. just randomly clicked you, even if they randomly clicked you, they scroll down to the bottom. They're one of the people who, you know, go to the bottom just to see what's out there. They clicked on you for a reason. So make your, make your best shot out of it. Absolutely. I love that. I'm so happy you brought that up too. And talked about that. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've actually heard uh, individuals say, you know, kind of beat themselves up like, ah, my stream sucks, you know, mm-hmm. you know, don't worry about tuning in or this and that. And then they wonder why people don't tune in. Exactly and they're right. projecting that, that, that like almost self-loathing of yep. themselves out there right. and it's going to catch. I mean, so if you're, if you're confident and you're, you know what you're driven, you want to, you do your research and everything and you know like you said, you watch your videos, you you put the time in and everything like that, and you start adopting certain things that you see other people kind of doing just to kind of make the stream look a little bit better. And this, you throw everything else in there and it's it's going to be a good time. I see a lot of people just have a lot of fun, really, lately. People yeah. watch for the for the streamer. They don't always watch. I mean, the gameplay is like fine, but like unless you're like a top tier gameplay person, People are generally there for the streamer and their personality over the game itself. Right. And I, I think too ever... many people rely on the game itself. True. Right. It, it's yeah. it, there's so much competition, you have to differentiate yourself as a person. It's why the we don't it's why we don't stream trials, you know, matches. I mean, that's <laughs> we well, just don't we do it. Don't, I don't even we also play don't let alone stream all <laughs> oh, that hand cannon, you gotta get it. <laughs> we'll we'll brave seven hand. matches so you can oh, get one. Well, you're you are stronger guardians than I. <laughs> well, the the other reason is because I'll curse immensely while we're playing, so we definitely couldn't stream it. <laughs> yeah, we got to make sure it's adult swim time. That way, you know, or yeah. just don't have, or just don't have me, <laughs> <laughs> because I get angry. Um, oh. now, not angry, I, just more so frustrated because the PvP in Destiny is just not atrocious because it's more my skill in, in PvP, but it, it's just super frustrating. I just blame it on stasis. Years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And stasis is, ugh, yeah, no, crucible's not. Good. <laughs> I, I, I don't even it, touch it anymore. I'm getting anxiety. Give me falls, give me raids, give me gambit. I'm all in for those. I went all in for my red ricks and then they, they sunset it. So I'm over it. I'm not, I'm just <sighs> not doing it anymore. I'm in, nope. And my Randy's, my Randy's throwing knife. Bungie. I love that gun. Love it. Bungie's on my list for getting rid of my Randy's and my red ricks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was my go to. And it was not just for PvP, it's for PvE too. Oh. I absolutely loved it for running strikes. Yep. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that I actually dislike too with the sun setting, it was it's the simplest thing in the game. And I'm go- I'm going on a side tangent now, but uh it oh, was yeah. the simplest thing, it was just a Titan mark, but it looks so good on my Guardian. I rock out a uh, Titan since beta of D1. And I always wear uh, the Sunbreaker armor, and mm-hmm. it's, it was it just complimented. It was from the moon. It was like the 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 Titan mark from the moon. It just kind of looked like a rag. It was all yeah. beat up from Eris, and I I really dug it. They sunsetted it. I'm like, are you kidding me? And now they're well, we brought it back. You can go earn it again. It's yeah. Like, now you can do like fifty thousand steps yeah. in order to get your armor transmog, yeah. even though we've made it one step up until this point. Yeah. Oh God. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad I got away from chasing things like I I won't take off my Monte Carlo unless I've, I'm doing a specific bounty that says don't you know just no auto rifles if I'm not, if I'm just having fun you, you, I'm out there with my Monte Carlo I'm out there running my uh, um, Arc Buddy Warlock 
I'm that guy that drops down go. the well nice. for everyone. And uh, yeah, like I don't, the chase is just gone. I, I, I stopped doing it because it, it made me not enjoy the game. I was doing, like mad. I was just like, man, I just don't want to go into crucible. I, I'm, I'm tired of getting my head kicked in. I envy that. I, I have a hard time not i have a hard time playing destiny when i'm not chasing something i actually i've been i have not played destiny for about five weeks or so now because um, mm-hmm. i just don't have anything i want to chase and it's hard for me to get into a mindset of kind of doing the content without having something to chase which sort of speaks to the way that i got hooked into it but uh i love i love the game i just i always have to have something that i'm going after or else i kind of i habituate too quickly and then i'm like oh, okay so, so uh, I envy that mindset immensely. <laughs> what uh, what what guardian class do you run? Hunter. Perfect. You take the next three or four weeks off. That'll give the uh, Titans a little bit of a handicap for the guardian games. That's one less hunter we have to worry about. Oh, come on, you guys what, running up the flag. Already the Titan games. What are you talking about? <laughs> have you, you seen the flags? <laughs> have you seen the little stamps there? Oh, it's all hunter, hunter, hunter. Is hunter, it hunter, hunter this hunter. season? Oh, yes. Good. I Good. think it was because they Good. all got razzed from last year. They were just like, oh, yeah. People are pissed about it. The hunters, and Titan, or hunters and Warlocks are like coming together on this right now to yeah. try to make yeah. sure Titans don't want, we don't want it. Yeah. We don't want it the, the trophy to turn into a crayon. But it's so. all right. You know, just keep enjoying <laughs> golf for a couple more weeks and then uh, it'll be a new season and be good to go. <laughs> I love it. Now, do. Is, to bring this. Uh, is that. I'm sorry, just I guess really quick to also maybe help bring it in. Is that another thing that's that, that tends to happen is where, you know, we chase the games that are quote unquote popular and we don't necessarily play the games that we like to play, which obviously can have a negative impact on a stream. Because if you're playing, you know, if you're if you're a Destiny, you know, if you're a D2 player who loves Destiny, but you're picking up uh, Valheim because it's yeah. the new popular thing to play. And you hate it, but you're sort of muddling through. Like, do you see that happen often with a lot uh, with with some streamers, or has it come across your path? I should say. Well, I, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't watch a ton of Twitch when I'm not streaming. Okay. Um, but yeah. I will say this um, because I went through this about six months mm. into streaming. Yeah. Um, I went through a time period where I started. I started doing like votes. For like, what game do you want me to play? I started doing games that I thought chat wanted to watch. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I just actively would be like, okay, what do I think chat would want to see tonight? And I noticed that for me, that was bad. Because mm-hmm. I would then have nights where like, I was not feeling it. And then I would want to cancel. Or like, I'd go live, but then I might end early because I wasn't really feeling it or whatever. Yeah. So I made a decision I don't know, maybe half a year, maybe a little farther in uh, after going through that for a couple months where I was like, you know what? I'm playing what I want to play because when I play what I want to play, I am excited to stream. I look forward to streaming. I'm, I'm going to do it. And if people, if people aren't into the game, that's fine. But I had a lot of people in, in Twitch, in, in chat say, you know, Ryan, we, we don't really give a shit about what game you're playing. We, we were talking to you like we're, we're here to watch you. And so I kind of took that to heart and I started doing that and it really changed everything. Like I, I, I sense basically play what I want to play to the point that as Joe alluded to uh, my last two streams, I played golf on stream and <laughs> lost no viewership 
And I couldn't believe it. The first time I, I played Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2014 to the same crowd I was playing Skyrim to uh, a couple days ahead I love of that. It. And so I and the same crowds I played to Destiny. So at this point, I realized, you know what? If I'm playing Destiny and I'm into it, awesome. If I'm not yeah. into Destiny, like right now, I'm sort of on a hiatus from Destiny. Great. Like I can play other stuff and people still hang out. People still ask questions. People still talk about mental health and what's going on in their lives. And we have just as much fun doing that as we do in the other streams. And so that was really big for me. I know that there are some people that put a lot of pressure on themselves to play what's popular or to play what they think their chat's going to like. If you're right. into what, if you're into that, that's great. But I really believe, I mean, foundationally, I believe in authenticity. And I think people can tell when you are not connected with what you're doing. Like, I think mm. people can tell when you're not into the game you're playing. People can tell when you're not really interested in chatting with them. Like it, it's, it's a found in these parasocial relationships. Sometimes I think people underestimate people's ability to read you when you are the streamer. It's hard to mm -hmm. read chat because I only, I only see what people type. So that right. one I can tell, I can pick up on certain idiosyncrasies from people that come back every day, but like right. people can see on my face if I'm into what I'm doing or if I'm not into what I'm doing. And so I just, I sort of let that go. Uh, and I had the luxury to do that though. I have enough of a viewership at this point that, I'm not, I'm not constantly freaking out about my game choice hurting. But again, that goes back right. to qualitative metrics, not quantitative. Right, right. And I wasn't laughing at you while you were saying that. Your 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 member your your community who's in our chat right now is making me laugh a ton. Um, basically, they're they're, they're saying that they're they're hysterical. Um, they sat through five hours of golf with you, and you know, I couldn't I was there it. for two of it. I yeah. couldn't believe it. I was working on a deck and I'm telling you, I was working on a deck for a project and I'll tell you what, I was really digging it. <laughs> they got to pick out the wardrobe. They were, someone yelled yeah. as the ball was passing <laughs> through. Yeah. Uh, so that, that is why I'm laughing hysterically. Yeah. It's not exact. It's not what you're saying. It's your, your community is cracking me up here. <laughs> They're great. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been wild, but it's, uh, it, it People said, I mean, I'm passionate about golf, too. And so people are like, it's cool that you're passionate about it. You can talk about it. People like hearing people talk about stuff they're passionate about. So absolutely, I, that's, absolutely. Uh, you know, why I wanted to integrate this stuff in. Because mm -hmm. mental health is something I am passionate about. So if I can connect that with anything, cool. I'm here. I'm here for it. Yeah. So wow. let's let's actually throw that sort of kind of yeah. next a little bit. You discuss mental health a lot you, uh, within within your streams. How do you how do you toe that line? so to speak, between... <laughs> yeah, how do you tell that line? I guess we'll leave it there. That's a good yeah. way to put it. I like that. Well, so that. it's interesting. What I like about this question is my articulation of this um, doesn't... I mean, I think of how to say this. doesn't actually matter for the people that watch me, but I think it's important for people to know. Uh, well, it matters, but it's like not something people actively have to know. I'm, the, I'm a professional, okay? So I'm a mental health professional. I am a therapist, whether I am on duty or not whether I'm seeing clients or not. Uh, and anybody who's a mental health professional listening to this knows exactly what I'm talking about. You, you, you are <laughs> always, you are always uh, adherent to your code of ethics. You are always a therapist, no matter what capacity mm -hmm. you're in. So when I'm streaming, I have to keep that in mind. It is in the same way. It is not the responsibility of my clients to know my code of ethics. It's not the responsibility of my Twitch chats. to know my code of ethics. It's my mm -hmm. responsibility to adhere to that. And right. so the way that I do that is I make sure that I am never asking assessment questions. 
Uh, so when people talk about what's going on for them, they might talk, people will share with me frequently what's going on in their mm-hmm. life. And they'll you know, say, hey, I'm having a hard time with this. Or what do you think about this? Whatever. And that's fine. I will take what people say and turn it into a general comment that could be applied to really anybody who's got a similar something going on process wise that kind of transcends the person. So it's not anything that is specific advice to a person that I have assessed and tried to get extra information on it. So if you watch my streams, you will like never see me ask follow-up questions or Mm -hmm. dig really deep into what somebody's saying because I can't do that. Uh, There are times where people will ask me questions. They'll give me a bunch of information. They'll ask questions and I'll say, I can't answer that. I'm sorry. Uh, Because in order for me to answer that, I'd either have to do an assessment or I'd have to give you what feels like professional advice. And I don't want to do that. I should acknowledge, I mean, I'm hyper conservative with ethics. I would much rather cover my ass than toe the line. And so there are times where I could answer questions and I choose not to because I don't even want to be perceived as somebody who could even possibly be doing therapy or an assessment uh, with people in chat because it's harmful to chat if I do that. Like what I think mm-hmm. people don't realize, like, you know, as a professional, I'm always saying like, you know, we have to, you have to be careful with the way you talk about mental health. And I'm not trying to gatekeep people from talking about mental health. I'm trying to protect people who have no way of knowing whether what they're watching is harmful to them or not, because there's right. no reason why they should. Nobody get, nobody hands a layman the code of ethics for marriage and family therapists and says, hey, anybody you come across that's a marriage and family therapist, hold them to this standard. Know this like it's the back of your hand. That's ridiculous, right? So I'm the one that has to adhere to that standard. So it's partially art. I mean, there are times where I kind of have to feel it out while I'm chatting, but I'm always going to err on the side of caution when I'm talking with people because it is irresponsible for me to come off as a therapist who is giving professional advice. And the thing that I like to share with people about this all the time is I have mental health written on my channel, right? As Mm -hmm. you guys do, right? You have guardians, mental health. So mental health is there. So if you put that phrase on, as I do, and then I show my credentials, as I do, PhD, LMFT, people are going to ask me things and tell me things because they know that I'm a professional. They're going to tell me things and ask me things that they would never otherwise ask if I didn't have mental health, PhD, LMFT listed on my profile. So as soon as you do that, as soon as I show up into the Twitch space with my credentials in that way, I am responsible for the way in which I uphold those credentials and I am responsible for using those credentials responsibly so that I don't harm people. Because if I gave people crappy advice, if I gave people professional advice without having done an assessment, that's not great for me to do clinically, let alone on Twitch with somebody who I don't even get to see face to face and who doesn't have a service agreement with me. So Mm -hmm. I have to be very careful with the way that I do that. I get people in touch with resources. I have a video on YouTube now uh, that's how to find a therapist that goes through the entire process from start to finish. When I say to people, hey, you might want to consider finding a therapist, I direct them to that video so that they can watch that video. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I try to put the resources up in a way that's accessible to people, but isn't a direct advice to anybody. Uh, Because if I was ever doing that, I would need to have disclaimers plastered everywhere on my screen that says, I have a signed service agreement with this specific person they have consented to me asking these questions and doing these things. And unless you see that, uh, there's no way I can do that. So I know that was a very long-winded answer, but uh, I no, hope that kind of answered what you were asking because it, it's it something abs- that I no, think about it all does. the time. 
it also it absolutely uh, does. It could also lead into several other you know topics as well as how you have to cover your ass because you put yourself out there and everything like we do as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with our status, you know, federally and internationally and everything, we yeah. have to be very cautious of what we do yeah. and how we answer things. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things we actually developed and made in house is a mental health and crisis resources bot that can be utilized in Twitch, discord and mobile devices to mm-hmm. help, uh, help provide resources to individuals on the fly and to point them and guide them in the right direction for proper support or proper resources. Uh, We do encourage people equally uh, to open up and share, and we never give advice. Uh, We just try and direct them to the best resource for them and just putting those resources out there. But it's, it's scary because you, you put yourself out there and you do have a very strict code of conduct and how to approach conversations and things where I see many individuals who stream that don't hold a any credentials can get away with yeah. giving yeah. advice in this and that and go under certain titles that don't come with credentials, but somehow kind of fall in between that gray area. One thing that I do want to ask for certain individuals that want to incorporate mental health talk, and I know we could go into this, you know, conversation as, or into this as well. I know Matt could answer mm-hmm. it for sure too. Um, for those individuals that want to incorporate mental health into their streams, for that safe space that will essentially allow people to open up in there, what is a good I don't want to say my plan, but what's a good way for them to structure it that way they're not giving false information or overextending themselves with giving advice and starting to go down a really tricky path where they could be giving people misinformation and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, I don't think I formed that into a good question at all. I think <laughs> I know what you're asking, though. So okay. I, can, uh, all right. I, can, I can take it. I'm going to edit um, myself I actually, on that I one. Want to, uh, I want to address one thing that you said because I actually think that it provides a nice template for the way that I'm going to answer this. Okay. Which is you bring up a really important point, which is the more credentialed a person is, mm-hmm. the less they can say directly to somebody. And I don't think people, they don't have any reason to understand this, but I think most people don't understand this, that like I literally cannot give advice to a person because I could get my license taken away if I do that. A person with no credentials at all could answer your question any way they want to, and there are no mm-hmm. repercussions for that. Yes. And there are, there's a such thing as what's called a protected term, which I know you guys are familiar with, but some listeners may not be, which is when we are like LMFT, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, is a protected term, meaning there's a code of ethics, meaning there's a there's a board of ethics that oversees the license and that there are legal and ethical ramifications for anything that I do. You know, license uh, psychological counselors have that social workers, the, all those have Mm -hmm. life coach is not one of those things. Um, It's one that I'm pretty passionate about. Life coach is not a protected term. Uh, It's, there's no, it's, you use that at your own risk. That's a soapbox for a different 
podcast. <laughs> that's but a whole different conversation. That's a whole different conversation. But I think it's important for people to understand what are protected terms and what aren't. Okay. So if you ever come across something that you don't know what it is, look it up, see if it's protected. If it's not, be careful. Uh, so with that said, I see three different types of people that go onto a streaming platform that want to talk about mental health specifically. First and foremost, you don't ever have to talk about mental health on your stream if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do it. Set the boundary. Don't talk about it. Totally fine. But if you're going to enter the space and you're going to talk about mental health, there's three different people that do this. The first one are people who have no credentials at all. Absolutely none. The only credential they have is maybe they're diagnosed with a mental illness, right? Or maybe they live with somebody who's diagnosed with a mental illness or they that have experience, experience right? Yeah. They have, or they volunteered somewhere where they interface with people who have uh and maybe want to talk about their experience. They want to create a community where people can talk about their experiences. And maybe they build a little like, you know, hey, this is a place that's really uh, affirming of people with depression because I myself struggle with depression and it's something I'm willing to talk about. You can ask me questions about it. I think that's great. I really think that people that do that are awesome so long as they keep it in that lane. And the way that you plan for that is you speak only to your experience. You recognize that just because something worked for you does not mean that it will work for somebody else, that people are inherently going to possibly ask you questions that you do not know the answer to. And if you don't know the answer, say you don't know the answer to it. Uh, you do not have to be a hero, right? Like you say, look, I'm diagnosed with depression, but I have no idea how to answer that question. I myself haven't been able to figure that out. Uh, I think people in that space do well to normalize going to therapy to address those issues. Like if you go to therapy to address the thing that you're talking about in that capacity, please talk about your experience with that because it makes people feel more comfortable going to see a therapist is something I'm super mm -hmm. passionate about. But I think it's awesome to do that just so long as you are staying in the context of this is my experience. I'm not going to give you advice. I'm more than welcome. You can talk to me about what's going on for you. We'll share our experiences and we'll sort of create a community around that. I think that's right. awesome. You don't even have to have resources available if you don't want to, though I might suggest that you do because if you're going to pitch yourself as talking about mental health, you at least should have the suicide hotline ready to go and some sort of disclaimer that says, hey, if you're thinking about hurting or killing yourself, please call 911, go to the emergency room or call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Like Protect yourself that way if you're going to put mental health mm -hmm. on your thing at the very least. Use the Guardian's mental health bot. Like whatever you got to do, right? Now, that's one chunk. The second chunk, uh, I'm actually going to skip one. I'm going to the second chunk, which are mental health professionals like me. Uh, they are people who are bound by a code of ethics. If you're going to go into this, you should already know what your code of ethics is. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not. I, there's nothing I'm going to say here that's going to surprise anybody who's a mental health professional. Like, you can't give advice. You can't do anything that would even remotely appear to be therapy with anybody on or in your stream unless you have a signed service agreement and informed consent, and that shit is plastered all over your screen. Uh, if you are ever watching anybody on any platform that has credentials that appears to be doing therapy and you don't see disclaimers, that's bad. It's bad. Okay. <laughs> so, like, um, it's something that, we have to we have to make sure that we're giving people good information that comes from our experience, information that's generalizable. Uh, also, we have to be willing to acknowledge when we don't know the answer to something. For example, I get asked about substance abuse on occasion, and substance abuse is not something I have an immense amount of uh, background on. It's not something I specialize in. So I often have to say I don't know when we talk about things like substance abuse. 
So know your limitations, recognize that people are going to inherently ask you questions that are going to push your ethical boundaries. And so be ready to put boundaries down when you need to. It's okay. Sometimes you're going to lose viewers because of that. That's fine. Uh, It's not worth sacrificing your potential license because you wanted to hold and maintain a viewer. Uh, That's I mean, I have I have the rules explicitly stated in my in my information of like, I tell you I can't answer a question. It's not because I don't care. It's because I literally can't answer the question. Uh, And so I think we need to be a person that like normalizes therapy, makes it easier to interact with mental health professionals and also provides resources for people uh, where they need it. I see us as being like holding that. We're sort of the the, the backstop of Mm -hmm. mental health. Like you can refer your viewers to us. Like we'll know for sure what to do with them if you send them over to us. Not because I'm trying to steal your viewers, but because I want to help. So then that so that's one in three. Then there's a number two who sits in the middle. This is kind of the gray area one that I think you're referring to, Joe, which are advocates. Mm-hmm. Okay, people who explicitly say, I'm a mental health advocate. This is probably the grayest of the gray areas on Twitch. And I want to make clear that I think advocates are good. I think advocates are a very important thing. They serve a really good role when they are done responsibly. Uh, Advocates are the ones who are the most easily taken off the path uh, and need to be really careful here. Um, Advocates are people who do some of the extra legwork for people. Uh, They're the ones who are willing to go find information. They're the ones that are willing to look at how do you find a therapist? What do do different therapists do? What's Mm -hmm. what's kind of the current state of some research about this stuff? Maybe there are people who read more like uh, psychology-oriented magazines and are a little bit more up-to-date on some of the stuff that's Mm -hmm. happening. It might help people find language for things that they're struggling with. Like if a person comes into chat and they say, man, I'm really having a hard time with this. They say, hey, you know, actually, we know there's a concept called this. It's a worthy thing to talk to a therapist about or to bring to the attention of your general practitioner here's some language for you that you can bring into your next doctor's appointment so that you can advocate for yourself better. There are also people who, when people come in with specific mental health questions, will say things like, hey, I can't answer that, but here's a whole host of people who can, all right? Like here are professionals who can answer this. And they are very much, I see them as advocates of mental health, like of good information. Like I want to get you in touch with the right information or the right people. I think where that turns into a gray area sometimes is that advocates can sometimes get perceived as professionals, because mm-hmm. if you're going to put mental health on your space and you're going to put credentials that people don't know aren't legitimate credentials, they look at them and they see the word credential and think, oh, or qualifications. And they say, oh, well, this person's obviously qualified because they've listed it. I have no way of knowing that that's not a legitimate form of qualification to talk about the stuff that the advocate's talking about. They start asking questions and advocates start answering those questions, maybe because they've heard professionals answer it in a certain way. Like they start to kind of get into a space where they tell people what they think they should do, or they'll give information that's maybe not great. And people will take that information and do something with it because they believe that a professional has given them that information. And so I think advocates at all times have to have disclaimers up that say, I am not a professional. I am not going to give advice. I am here to make things easier for you to talk about. And to make sure that you get in touch with people that have the information that you need. Those are the types of advocates that I admire and respect immensely and support because we, we, the professionals need advocates. We need people Mm -hmm. to help other people see us as less scary than representation of us tends to be. 
And so right. I, I love and admire advocates that do that work and really try to get people in touch with us. I think a good advocate is not threatened by mental health professionals. A good advocate is empowered to send people in the direction of professionals and wants to work with professionals and check in to make sure that they're doing a good job. Like if you're an advocate, you should absolutely check in with mental health professionals to ask if you're doing a good job. Don't ask your viewers, ask the professionals because viewers yeah. have no way of knowing whether you're a good advocate or not. Yeah. And, and there's a general consensus among most people that they, they just see, oh, you're a therapist, you're a doctor, so you must know everything about it. Like, well, you're, you're a marriage and family therapist and, and Matt's a, you know, a social worker. Right. They're not the same. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Not at all. I mean, we, we, I mean, you're talking, I mean, before we started the podcast, Matt, you were talking about doing case management. I don't do case management. I don't know the first thing about how, I mean, I know a little bit about how case management works, but if you ask me an intricate question about case management, I'm saying, uh, you're going to have to talk to a social worker. Right. I don't know. It's like, it's, it's, it's like saying, well, I do martial arts and they go, oh, okay. So you must know Kung Fu. Well, no, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's completely different. It's a good way to put it. Right. It's exactly right. It always boils down to like you were saying before too, and not to, not to go back to, you know, as far as like mental health professional streaming, but you know, it's exactly what we say at the start of our podcast. While some of us on this panel are mental health professionals, we are not your mental health professional. You know, as a social worker, I, I, you know, within, within capacities, I can provide therapy, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the GMH therapist. Right. This is not the avenue for that therapy. No, no. Even in the Discord, I am I am no one's therapist. Not, yeah, yet. it's not. I will gladly I will gladly provide you with resources, with some lists, with some people to go to. That's my role in there. Yep. Client in my office it, who has signed that agreement, who has understands that this is structured therapy. We're meeting weekly, working on you know achievable goals. Different story. I'll gladly. I'll, that's what I do. I provide therapy. Yeah. And now it's been through Zoom instead of a inst- instead yeah. of a, instead of an office, yep. which on a side tangent, I'm not a huge fan of. I miss oh, I love an it. office interaction. <laughs> <Do you? laughs> yeah. Really? Can yeah. I be honest? You're, you're one of the few, you're one of the few that I've heard that actually love it. If I could do it for the rest of my career, I will. I, I really will. If insurance I mean, decides I think it's to reimburse it that for way. the rest of their time, I, I will do it. Yeah. yeah. Really? I think it's leaning that way. I respect people who don't like it, though, because I, un- I totally understand why people don't like it. I think, honestly, if I didn't stream on Twitch, I'd hate it more. But because that, my, I, streamed, I was going to say, yeah. my, my therapist hated the idea of doing teletherapy until like we started talking about setting it up and had a big sit down. And I, I made sure she had everything set up the right way. And she's like, this isn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so can I tell you why? I think what's what's influenced me a lot with that. And here we go. Another tangent. And I apologize. I do a lot of work within the substance abuse space. That is one of my specialties right now. Cool. And for that, it, it, it for that population, at least that I felt, I'm not sure how clinically studied this is, but that in-person connection is super important. And I've worked on inpatient units as well, too. And it's that physical not yeah. physical connection don't get me wrong but that that in-person connection is much uh at least i feel provides a better clinical benefit to those who are going through some substance sure. abuse issues so that might be why my view is a little skewed on it to be honest um doing private practice though telehealth i i will say you know being here in in, in my comfy home and in my comfy chair like yeah it, it, does have some benefits. <laughs> I also, I, I mean, have, I, well, you're, I mean, you're in, you're in New York, aren't you? 
Yes. Now, see, I mean, when I was in Chicago, that was when I was last doing therapy in person. I mean, I used to have to take the train. I used to have to walk a mile and a half. I used to have to do a whole bunch of shit to get to my office. And as soon as <laughs> that changed and I was like, I don't have to do that anymore. I'm like, oh, I, mean, I can just yeah. get up and go get a sandwich out of the fridge before my next one. And like, I, and I can go cook dinner immediately when I'm done. I mean, I enjoy that, but I can see how that population would, would make a difference to see in person. And I yeah. totally, I, res, I, I guess say, I understand why a lot of therapists are struggling right now with having to do things online, but it's funny, Nate, that you, you know, you're talking about your experience because it's the first time when I, like when I had to go online and they converted everybody online, I had probably about five sessions in a row where when I popped onto camera, people were like, oh my God, I feel like I'm on a YouTube channel. And I was like, yeah, I know. I got, like, I'm, I've been ready for this. I've been, I've been streaming forever. This is nothing for me. I got the technology. I got the, I got the everything. I can mute myself when I cough. I can do all these right. things that like, you know, and so it, for me, I think without having the experience of talking to a text chat, as intimately as I do, I, I think it sort of made it easier for me to make the transition online uh, where I don't feel taxed by talking to a computer screen, where I know a lot of people get into therapy because they want to work with people. They want to be in the same, mm -hmm. they want to be in the same room as people and feel the vibes and do all that stuff. And I, th I think that's a very important piece of therapy. And I don't know if it's just because of how often I'm looking at a computer screen or interacting with friends via discord or whatever. It just sort of feels right. ubiquitous right now with communication for me in a way that uh, luckily has not hurt me and my sense of ability to do therapy. So, uh, but no, I can absolutely. totally see certain contexts, particularly inpatient stuff. Yeah, I mean, being in person makes a huge difference in those contexts. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, Especially right now I'm doing like stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing it's, outpatient right now because uh, actually inpatient was closed because of COVID still is. Um, so I'm doing a lot of lot of outpatient work now and doing groups outpatient. It's, it's oh, difficult. Uh, yeah, groups. No, I would never want to do a group. Group's therapy, on you know, Zoom or no. Doxy, you know. Have you done a group uh, session? Yeah. Oh, no, thanks. Yeah, no, thanks. Yeah. And right. I love groups and see, that's another thing too. I think, and I think another reason why I miss, I love groups. I love, love running groups. It's a huge passion of mine. Yeah. Honestly, I have fun in groups because I get to be creative in them. I get to be a little bit fun in them. I, I get to even at times not participate, but I get to sit back and just guide it to everybody yeah. else. So I, it's, it was a huge passion. So that might be another reason why I'm a little salty about, you know, telehealth. I, I could like, see I'm, how I get back in a room. I could <laughs> see how this could be a huge barrier to try and achieve any of that oh. in, in a group. I mean, you know what you lose so much yeah, of that ability. You do. <laughs> what's interesting though, like um, programs like uh, AA and NA, they found ways on like a, on a telehealth level to still be able not they're also not providing formal mental health that is much more peer support but they've they've been able to make it work and huh. i applaud the hell out of them for being able to wow. make a lot of make a lot of that work so um that's but that's my side tangent i apologize <laughs> Um, but I, I think all three of those, all three of those aspects are are very true, and it's it is very nice to hear when when somebody really does hold the standard of code of ethics insanely high because it is something that does. You know, neither one of us wants to lose our license. It's no. literally my bread no. and butter. 
Are you, are you kidding me? I mean, it's what keeps me in a house. It what's ke- it what ke- it's what you know keeps me paying rent and alive. And it's what, and so it's what legitimizes what we you do. know what we do here. I mean, e- right. even even in this space, and it's it, it. Oh man, it just it's so hard that you know this idea that like there are days where I really wish I didn't have a license, but I still had all the knowledge I have because right. and I could say whatever the hell I want. And I just, yeah, I, I, there are so many times where people have said things in chat to me where I've been like, I know exactly what to say. I know exactly what would be helpful. I feel super confident in that. And then I have to remind myself, nope, you can't do that. Because even though, even though you think that that's yes. the case, you actually haven't done a proper assessment to determine whether that's the case for one. And two, that person has not consented to you barging into their life in that intrusive of a way. Right. 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 Like that's the other thing is like, Giving professional advice is intrusive uh, inherently, like by definition, it's intrusive because it's a facilitation of change and most people don't actually like that. And so you have to know how to facilitate change in a meaningful way if you're going to do it properly. And the the general population doesn't know how to do that. That's not an indictment on anybody who's not a professional. I went to school for nine years to learn how to do this. It's not like I just walked out of high school and was like, hey, I mean, I've had anxiety before. I can probably talk about this in the same way a therapist could. It's And people get, and this is what I hate about some of the split that's happened just societally about how like seeing people who are educated as in some sort of ivory tower looking down on the masses because- that's not why I do what I do. I don't, I don't do this because I want to wag my finger at people and because I want to show how smart I am and because I want to do this. No, I went to school for nine years so that I could bring this information to people so that when people come into my office, I can say, hey, here's what we know about this. I spent a lot of time thinking about it. You spent no time thinking about it. Let's put your experience together with my expertise and let's make some change out of it. And mm-hmm. It's in the same way that you don't just learn how to fix a car just because you want to, just because you've owned a car. You have to go to school to learn all the things there is to know about fixing a car. I don't get to say, yeah, this is what's wrong with my car. And then a mechanic says, "Uh, no. And I go, no, no, it's that. Like it's, (laughs) but I watched the YouTube. I, yeah, right. I watched (laughs) watched a video about it. Like, I, I mean, I, 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 I had a collection of 300 Hot Wheels cars when I grew up, right? Like there's just the, there are things that are qualifications and there are things that aren't. And I really encourage anybody listening to this. If you come across mental health discussion at any point with anybody who advertises is talking about mental health in any capacity, whether it's experience, advocacy, or professional, look up their credentials and see if they are actual qualifications or not. And if you don't know, find a mental health professional like me, like anybody at Guardians Mental Health, anybody who actually has these qualifications and ask them, is this legitimate? And they will tell you whether they are or not. You bet your ass if you DM me on Discord and you say, hey, does this person have legitimate qualifications? I'm going to tell you yes or no. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to beat around the bush because at the end of the day, what I think you guys are all about, I'm all about, I think why you know, I agreed to be part of this podcast and talk with you guys is because we want to protect the people who consume this stuff. I feel super hyper-protective of people who watch Twitch, who are looking for people to understand their emotional, cognitive, behavioral experience. Right. And who can, you know, if they're seeking a person who knows what they're talking about, who appears to know what they're talking about, 
you have no way of differentiating what information is good, bad, ugly, or otherwise. And so I very much see it as on the, on the shoulders of professionals to try to filter some of that out. And you'll know who's good to hang out with based on who professionals uh, on Twitch support and hang mm-hmm. out with and advocate for and talk about. Uh, if you don't hear them talking about certain people or whatever, you might think about that and go, huh, that's interesting that that doesn't ever get right. talked about because th- then that's kind of how we do it. So I don't know. I just, it's, it's all out of protectiveness of the people that watch. I, I just, I really hope people take that away because it's, I'm not trying to gatekeep talking about mental health. I just want people to do it responsibly. Yes. Right. Right. I, no, I, I don't think I, I don't view that as gatekeeping at all. I know I'm sure people could spin that to be gatekeeping, but it's not because again, just to really, just to restate what you said, it's a protective measure. We want to make sure the person's receiving proper information, proper knowledge, and therapy should not be given over a Twitch chat. That's just the yeah, kind of. I mean, this is serious business. And you can't yeah. deal with snake yeah. oil salesmen. Right. It's, it's exactly right. I mean, if somebody, you know, a common example would be like if somebody came in and they were talking about trauma, right? And a person says, hey, I've been having these recurring, I've been having these recurring memories uh, based on a trauma that I experienced when I was a kid. And mm. I'm wondering, you know, OE, mental health advocate or whatever, like, you know, I'm wondering what you think about that, what I should do about that. That person says something like, oh, oh, you know what you should do? You should try to think through that memory more. You should engage in some mindfulness. Like you should really just try to pull on that memory so that you can reprocess it. If a people that are listening to this aren't going to see, aren't going to see the heads shaking as I say this, but like the, right. What that does, by the way, don't do that. If you're listening to this, because what that does is if you perceive the person who gave you that information is knowing something about mental health and then you go do that and you potentially re-traumatize yourself or make it worse, that person has directly caused harm to you because you perceived them to have credentials that they do not have. And the worst mm-hmm. part about that is because they don't have credentials, you have no recourse for that. If mm-hmm. you are traumatized, right. you have no complaint. Right. There's no complaint you can file. If I do that, if I say that to you and something bad happens, you could go to the ethics board in either Nevada or Illinois and say, Dr. Mm-hmm. Mick screwed with this. And he, you, I've got video proof on Twitch that he did this. And then I would be screwed and there'd be legal ramifications and ethical ramifications for that sort of thing. So Absolutely. that's why you have to be so deeply careful about these types of things, because people without credentials can say anything they want. Mm-hmm. And if it appears, if they say it confidently, they say it under the guise of things that appear to be credentials, <laughs> you're going to take it and you're going to believe it. And that makes my heart just want to yep. shrivel up and die. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's interesting The fact that trauma was brought up here because it is starting to become a much larger topic and a much more public uh, topic, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's becoming a a bit more and I guess in a way maybe good. Actually, I'm not sure how good or bad it is, but it is becoming more open to to talk about it and to really let it out, which is good thing in a sense. But in what you said is very bad. I I have been taking what's known as trauma focused CBT therapy. Mm-hmm. TFCBT, that it's it's a twelve week course yeah, with supervision a lot of work. afterwards. Yeah, not even like you're still not licensed. Like you still can't say that you're a TFCBT therapist because you still got to pass another exam. You got to pass this, and that's all trauma focused. Yeah, a lot of work goes into trauma. You don't just 
you know, even when I graduated and got my LMSW, I was not prepared for trauma. My school didn't uh, yeah, teach me yeah. here. Here's how you work with trauma. You learn this through supervisors and clinical supervision. It takes a lot more. And trauma is something because it just correlates with substance abuse that I work with, again, on almost like a daily basis. And I still need guidance from my supervisor, who's a professional as well, to sort of make sure that I'm steering or I'm working with this patient in the right way how to step back, you know, how to realize, are we ready to really process and talk about this trauma and do a narrative, do things like that. You don't just know how to do that. Well, and there are people that will listen to what you're saying right now and will say something like, you know, well, you know, geez, how, how high and mighty you must be to be able to, you know, afford this class and blah, 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 blah. Right. And yeah, you know, one of the things that I see that is, is a product of, you know, you and you saying this brings this up for me is like the words mental health and words associated with it, like trauma, OCD, narcissism, gaslighting have become very like buzzwordy. Yes. And I think there is a real danger to certain words in our space being used colloquially. Uh, like, you know, when people say things like, oh, that was so triggering and it's not, I mean, if you've ever watched somebody be triggered, you know, that that is a horrific experience for a person to have. Like it is legitimately Mm -hmm. awful. And when people say like, oh, I was so triggered because the Raiders didn't make the playoffs. Like that's, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) like even though there's, there's a, there's a point there. It, it's taking a very serious term right. and it's using it in a way that diminishes the actual effect for a person who Absolutely. is legitimately triggered by something saying that they've been triggered by it because then you, it, it becomes a thing where you're like, oh, everybody's triggered. It's like, no, we don't want to dismiss legitimate things. It's no different no. than a person saying, oh man, my OCD got the best of me today because my desk was such a mess. That as somebody who specializes in working with OCD, that drives me insane because anybody that has OCD will tell you it is one of the most debilitating, moralizing illnesses a person could have. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Right. So same thing with ADHD. Everything. I mean, you name it, right? And so what's happened is it's become very like, you know, well, anybody can talk about it because we all have a brain. We all have mental illness, like we all have mental health. Which also mental health and mental illness getting used interchangeably drives me crazy, right? Because everybody's yep. got mental health. Mental illness falls under that umbrella. Right. But what the point that I'm trying to make is that like because this has all gotten thrown into a buzzwordy type category where we throw these terms around like crazy, people start talking about things in a very watered down way where, you know, certain mm-hmm. people are talking about legitimate trauma. Here's how to work through this. Here's what trauma is. And then because people don't have the training, the understanding, the knowledge of what trauma actually is, people start to assume that anything that happened to you that you didn't like was a trauma. Right. 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 And then, but we as professionals are going to take it seriously. If somebody says I was traumatized by something and then it, but it, yeah. it, it sort of, And so then it gets into, you know, and this is the part that drives me nuts. And I'd be curious if this happens for you too, Matt, is like, now I sound like a gatekeeper on words, right? (laughs) It's like you, you, you never win as a professional (laughs) because you're constantly trying to say like, Hey, we have to like reel this in. This is stuff we have to take seriously. This isn't stuff that we can just throw around and give people advice because like, if we did that, we can cause serious harm. Mental health is talking about brain health. 
brain and behavioral health in the same way that a medical doctor might talk to you about like a broken limb or like a lacerated artery or some shit like that. Mm -hmm. Like, and you take, everybody goes, oh yeah, I would never talk about that. I'm not a doctor. Right. But all of a sudden our brain gets involved and And everybody thinks they have a say on this stuff. And that gets really dangerous, really fast. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've (laughs) talked about that in the past many times, actually. We have, we have. And it's very true trauma, true OCD, true, even true anxiety, true panic attack. Because that also, I think, I feel gets thrown around a little bit. And yes, everybody experiences panic attacks differently. (laughs) But if you talk to somebody who's had a panic attack, again, it is something that is you feel like you're debilitating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel like you're having a heart attack, or you, you know, going. That is true anxiety, and that is what we focus on, right? That's what we look for to not, you know, to assist in managing better coping uh managing it better i think is the better way yeah um because there's always going to be anxiety but we get to a point where we can manage it a little bit better or focus on it a little bit better and but that takes time that is something that's a process you know years well not necessarily years but years not days i'm gonna go back to that yeah years not days (laughs) but there's an undercurrent of this conversation here that um i think applies to what we do in the streaming space and certainly mm-hmm. what I attempt to try to do in the streaming space, which is like, it's, it's twofold. It's one to help people understand that. Like if a, now, if there's like a person listening to this and they listen to what you just said and they go, Holy shit, I've had that happen to me and I didn't have a word for it. That's awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. Because now it's like, Holy crap. Now somebody understands that they might've had a panic attack and maybe that empowers them to go talk to somebody about it and maybe figure out what's going on. Right. So there's that benefit, right. To being able to Absolutely. have that good representation of what a panic attack is. Then there's the converse side, which is for people to say, oh, okay, maybe I haven't had a panic attack. Maybe it's just anxiety. But what, what that really sits on, and this is something that happens in my stream, I talk about this all the time, is we've gotten into a weird space where like, we have just taken any emotional experience that isn't happiness and pathologized it. Like we basically, we look at things like anxiety and sadness, and people think that if they experience anxiety, they must have a disorder. No. Anxiety is a a normative part of the human experience. Anxiety, as I say in my stream all the time, it's a risk mitigating emotion. You experience anxiety because your brain is reading uncertainty and uncertainty back in the way back thousands of years ago, uncertainty meant risk, meant possible death. And so if you didn't do anything, you were in trouble. Well, we have technology has evolved way faster than our brain has. And so our brain registers anxiety the same way it did a long, long, long time ago. And Mm -hmm. that is a, if you didn't have anxiety, you would be in danger more often than not. Like anxiety is a totally functional experience to have. So when we're talking about something like generalized anxiety disorder, we're not talking about a person who just experiences a lot of anxiety. We are talking about a disordered level of anxiety, right? When we're talking about depression, we're not talking about sadness. Sadness is different from depression. Like if we're talking about OCD, we're not talking about somebody that just wants their death straight. We're talking about something, somebody with intrusive thoughts and compulsive behaviors that literally feels like it's out of their control. Like we, people don't have a copy of the DSM nearby to be able to understand these things. And so it, part of the, the buzzwording of mental health has sort of taken some of these things in where people wonder if I'm having an emotional experience that I don't like, does that mean that I have something? And the answer to that is probably not. 
I mean, even if you take trauma into it, into consideration here, only like 3% of people who experience trauma actually develop PTSD. Like PTSD is a disordered response to trauma. It's not an automatic response to trauma. And so many people think that if you have trauma, you must have PTSD. And that's not true. And so the way these things get misrepresented means that people that have it get diminished and people that like that don't have it sort of get elevated into a spot where like it waters the whole thing down. And we want people who have legitimately experienced these things to hear stuff like this and go, oh, my God maybe I do need to seek some help because that actually is something that rings a bell. And I want to, I want to seek that out. And for some people to be like, okay, it's anxiety. Me having anxiety is a normative part of the human experience. Maybe I don't have to pathologize myself so much as have some empathy for the fact that I've got some real uncertainty, uncertainty in my life. And that's going to develop anxiety. Right. And I think too, the other thing to, to mention here is you also don't need to have a disorder to seek out therapy. At the same time as well, too. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah, I just wanted to do the flip side of that. Like, you don't need to have a general, you know, you don't need to have an anxiety or a depression disorder. If you're not feeling well, or if things aren't going right, or if you're kind of all over the place and need a little help to structure that and guidance, that's therapy. Right. Right. And that's, you don't need to be, (laughs) don't get to the point. Where you're, where, where, where you're going to be sick, so to speak, if you're not feeling well, and if you're really, you know, and I know, and I've, and I've walked, I've walked a lot of people, I should say, into, you know, ways how to get therapy, what, you know, you know, what maybe the, the first session might look like. And I always preface it. Everybody's different. Um, But, you know, this is what may happen. And, it's not scary. It's there just to get to know you a little bit better and to help you on your goals. Yeah. And I always say that because I think a lot of people feel like, oh, the therapist is going to make me work on what they want to do. I'm like, a bad therapist will. I a got good no therapist. horse in that race. I want to do no, what exactly. you do, right? Yeah, exactly. You're coming in here. You're telling me that you know X, Y, and Z is making you anxious and you're looking to, for better ways to cope with it or you're having really stressful days at work and need some better skills to manage that. Yeah, of course I'm going to work on that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything else but that. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, So that's, you know, that, that's my take on it too. And we have a DSM for a reason. It's not written for the layman. No, the the, the DSM is written for us. It's not written for the layman. That's not to be elitist. It's just, that's what it is. No, it's realistic. WebMD is for no, no, God damn it. no. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. I got to do that. that they're talking could, about. Oh my god! I could throw something at you in a virtual space. Oh, I would. Oh lordy! <laughs> but you know what? It, it's you know we had we had to read that. We had to know that. We've had to take specific classes on how to properly diagnose someone, how to use it, and how to use it. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's and, not just read and, the book and then go. Yeah, you've got this. Right. Exactly. It's like knowing what. And, and again, super, proper supervision, proper collaboration with another professional helps with stuff like this. Because again, yeah. I didn't walk out of school and feel 200% confident, like I can diagnose now. I don't now. think anybody no. ever does. Yeah. I was scared shitless on my first session. Like, oh my God, I have to diagnose this person right now because and my boss was like, 
take a breath. <laughs> you you don't diagnostic sessions. You're good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what he said. He's like, yeah, you met them for like 45 here, minutes. And then we're going to yeah. find one. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, you met, you met with them for 45 minutes to an hour. Like, no, no, <laughs> let's talk first. Right. And you know, and honestly, that was a, that was a relief for somebody like myself. Oh, yeah. I was like, Oh, I got time. You got love when I got time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and now I live by those three sessions, those three diagnostic sessions. That's I live right. by them. That's right. <laughs> no, I, I have an amazing amount of uh, just gratitude for what, what you both do. I don't know how you guys do it. I, I do crisis couch line, crisis text line and doing a risk assessment can freak me out sometimes. And that's just a risk assessment to elevate it to a wellness check after that. And I couldn't even imagine sitting in on that session, man. You know the what, way you though? described it, man. It's really interesting you say that, though, because I actually worked on the National Suicide Prevention Hotline for three years and did crisis counseling as well. And so I, I love when I get to meet people who do fellow crisis stuff. Like, I love that you do the text line because you what you do is super important. Mm-hmm. Doing that is actually at times way more intense than doing therapy. I would not diminish that experience because I I can remember like it happened yesterday. Some of the assessments I had to do on the suicide hotline that like absolutely prepared me to do therapy in a way that I would have never otherwise been prepared for. So (laughs) I remember I I still remember my first night and uh, I'm at 234 hours now. And uh, my first night. I had to talk to Dr. Goku afterwards. He's like, How, how'd you do on your first night? And it's like, I, I got, I got, I, I got two active rescues and this and that. It's like, is it always going to be this intense? Because yeah. I told no, no. Joe, and you know what? I told Joe the first time I met him, I'm like, no, no, that work is harder than that what I do. hard. Cause you're getting them at their most acute. Yeah. You know, you're talking to them at their at their literal worst moment right now. Like, no, no. And often at a time where they can't get us because like yes. I'm literally on my voicemail. It says if you're in crisis right now, you either need to call mm-hmm. 911, go to the emergency room or call a crisis line. So you yep. guys can you guys it's intercept people too. even when we can't. Yes. And I, I do the night owl shifts. Uh, I, yeah. I wear that badge and <laughs> I, I three, two to three nights a week for the last year <laughs> and a half. Yeah. Oh. The night owl. Yeah, I love it. It was the first badge I got. Yep, and I rock it. So I love it so much. I love it. I'm ten to two a.m. Oh my god, that's what's the night owl shift for you guys? It starts at ten and it goes till three. Three, and it all depends on different time zones and everything. But that's what it is on the East Coast. What they have me at. So that's that's, so cool. That's where mine is. So that's usually my times and when I'm in the office, but I set up my whole atmosphere and everything like that. And the self, like the self care, like toolkit I put together from doing it and just the interactions and everything is, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, it's, it's super impactful, been super impactful on me going forward, but I, I was able to really, uh, really, connect with some conversations that that stick with me to this day but uh i i love doing it every week and i don't have a t-shirt but i got the hoodie though somewhere yeah, we had t-shirt incentives at the crisis center we worked on that like we had one for getting our 39 shifts that we committed to and then the night owl one was like that was like the hardest one to get and it was uh, i was like dead set on getting it i was do- i had to do midnight to 8 a.m 
And I Ooh. was, uh, we actually went to, we actually, our crisis center was in a house. It was like a literal house in the community that had all the lines that would go into it. And so I'd sleep on the couch in the living room between calls. Oh my gosh. Overnight shift. <laughs> yeah, man. There were nights I was up all night. There were some nights where there were no calls. It was a whole thing, but I, uh, oh man, I, meeting fellow night owls always makes me so happy because we never really <laughs> got to meet each other when we were at the crisis center because like I leave and then the next night owl, I'm not there for that. So it was, uh, oh man, the overnight shift's the best. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's pretty much where I've been based. I've never done a day one before. Um, I'll, I'll get a, uh, a ding on the message board saying that, you know, they need, you know, crisis counselors to come in cause they have, you know, uh, a heavy queue. So they need people to help out more, uh-huh. but that's pretty rare for me to get on during the day, but I've literally been a night owl since I first started, that's but so cool. I absolutely love it. But no, uh, we're going to talk more a little bit <laughs> off the air, but no, uh, it was super cool. We're going to have to wrap up. We're getting to uh, uh, the bewitching hour and we don't want anybody to turn into a pumpkin or anything like that. It's been super amazing. I've enjoyed this conversation so much and I wish we could go on, you know, you're more than welcome to come on another I time. It's down almost the future. as if you could have me back again. I'd be more, it, I've been more than happy to join again. I was alluding to that. Yes. 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 We would be more than happy <laughs> to do that. Yes. Awesome. We would love that so much. And uh, Matt, do you want to take us out? You got this down pat so well. Dude, Why are you looking around? <laughs> no, because I, ha- I have it over here. Oh, all right. Right. My other monitor is here. Don't make fun of me, Joe. I'm self-conscious when I do plugs. I have to get my plugs voice on. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to the Guardians <clears throat> Mental Health Podcast. If you can, please leave us a review on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps spread the podcast to others who may not have normally listened. Keep up to date with everything we're doing over at GuardiansMH.org and follow us on Twitter at GuardiansMH. Feel free to join our partner Discord server at discord.gg slash GuardiansMH. Uh, We provide mental health resources and we are just really a chill community. Um, if you're able to, please feel free to donate to our nonprofit over at Tiltify.com at GuardiansMH, as well as for our mental health kit initiative, uh, feel free to donate over at our Patreon at Patreon.com slash GMH Mental Health Kits or our coffee at Coffee.com slash GuardiansMH. Um, if you're looking to support the organization in other ways and get some really awesome merch out of it, go to Bonfire.com slash store slash GuardiansMH. And you get some really nifty shirts. We have mugs. We have tote bags, which I just found out recently. Um, I think we need to start working on hats, Joe. Wink, wink, hint, hint. Um, Because that was a part of our stream at the start. I don't know who saw it in chat, but we are hat gang for life. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, And above all else, Dr. Mick, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to your community for joining us and making me just laugh and bite my tongue throughout this whole podcast. So thank you for joining. And yes, please come on again, because I think we could have just another conversation for about five hours long. Probably could. (laughs) I'd be more than happy to do it. uh, It was a pleasure, gentlemen. I really enjoyed it. Dr. Mick, where can people find you? You can find me at twitch.tv slash Dr. McLive. I'm Dr. McLive on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, where you can get daily mental health tidbits, get all sorts of mental health interviews and topic lectures on the YouTube and 
little shorts on awesome. TikTok and all those other things. So you can find me on all those. And then I've got a Discord of over 1,700 that you can find the link for on my Twitch page. Absolutely. Absolutely. But thank you all for listening and joining and chatting and everything else. Love it. Thank you again, Doc. And we will see you next time. Have a great night. Bye.